Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 225th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And not a shovel pass across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, but instead a long, long Hail Mary across the southeast down in Noonan, Georgia. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Well, sitting here at 2-0, can't say the same about my picks, but uh, excited to be here. Uh, excited to be with you guys and excited to do episode number 225. That would be 15 squared, but we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who thinks the most wonderful time of the year is parent-teacher conferences. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, we're doing them electronically this year. We'll see how well it goes. Well, hopefully it's uh, it, it's not as bad as usual for you. Obviously, we are here uh, on Illegal Motion on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. It's the middle of the season, and although most of you guys should not be at the game, even though I think most of the stadiums we've seen have been uh, well over their stated capacity, uh, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Guys, uh, I was looking at the Pac-12 win totals for the season, so I'm going to go rapid fire with you guys. I want you to tell me if you're going to take the over or under on these. Remember, the Pac-12 is playing a six-game schedule. So well, aren't they aren't they playing a seven-game schedule with a TBD game where like the first place in each division meet, the second place in each division meet, something like that? Yeah, well, uh, on the on the 19th of December, isn't that some weird funky thing? It's some weird funky thing, but. Uh, I don't know if they're considering that the quote-unquote regular season or not. Um, okay. If they are considering... here, Listen, I've got the lines for the regular season here for the Pac-12, so we're going to go with those. Uh, brought, brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. We're going to start with Arizona. Josh, the over-under for, for Arizona is one win. Ooh. What do you like? Well, they get Colorado and Arizona State at home. I don't know what that means nowadays. Um, Their very first game is at Utah, who will be breaking in a new quarterback. So I'm actually going to say that they, out of those three winnable games, scratch out two. Oh, so you like the over. I'll take the over. All right. Coach, how about you? Josh, you had me convinced, dude. I'm taking the over. All right. Uh, We'll head to Arizona State, who's over under a set pretty high at four and a half. Yeah, that's that feels pretty optimistic. Um, their first game is at USC. Figure they'll be pretty big underdogs in that one. Uh, they also travel to Colorado and Arizona, who we don't know much about other than the projections are pretty low. So I guess they're saying they beat Cal, Utah, UCLA at home, and then split their road games. I, I don't see it. I, I think three and three. I'm going to go under. Uh, by the way, we are officially, uh, it is official, they are they are basing these out of a seven-game regular season. Seven-game regular Ooh, season. Okay. So. Oh, wow. Well then, uh, well, then I guess I would push. Can you push on <laughs> half a game? That's impressive. <laughs> I thought you said it was four. Sorry. Four and I, a half. Uh, I, I just heard the four, and then I tuned you out. That's what I normally do. Sounds about right. Um, 
Well, in that case, then I'll take the under still because then they can win a fourth game and uh, and I'm all good. All right, coach. Yeah, it gives me room for error. I'm taking I'm taking uh, I'm taking the under here. Matt, I have actually have a, have a request. Yes, sir. Um, our picks have been really bad. They've right? been atrocious. Yes. Yeah, and, and I've noticed. I always have to go first, and then coach goes after me. So either coach picking my picks is a jinx, <laughs> or I need to do the exact opposite of what he does. Okay, well, when we get to our uh, that, when we get to that'll sp- make you some money. When we get to spread formations uh, today, you know what? I'm going to go first today on spread formations, and then coach, and you can wrap it up, Josh. How's that sound? <laughs> Fair enough. All right, uh, let's keep going. Cal, same number, four and a half for the Golden Bears under one of our favorite guys, Justin Wilcox. Josh. Yeah, four and a half. Uh, they looked pretty good. I am worried about how bad the defenses have been looking. But if anyone's going to have their defense ready for week one in this weird season, it would be Wilcox. I think Cal can be a little bit of a sleeper. I'm going to take the over with them. I think they get to five wins. Five wins for Cal, coach? Taking the under, four wins. Four wins uh, for the coach there. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Next up, we've got the Colorado Buffaloes. Their over-wonder is set at 1.5 wins, Josh. Ooh, one and a half. Uh, This is a rebuilding program with a lot of new faces. In a lot of new places. Yeah. And I don't love their schedule because they have road trips to the farm. And we we figure Stanford will have a bit of a bounce back based on their coaching staff. And they head to USC. That doesn't feel very good. I think they are going to have a rough season. I'm going to say under, and they end with just one win. Ooh, all right, coach. Because it's 2020 and it's a weird season, I'm going to take the over at two wins. All right, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, Next up, quickly, we will go to Oregon. Oregon slated at six. Josh has a big number in a seven-game season. That is a pretty big number, and it's weird that it's a uh, not a half. <laughs> yeah, only only Arizona, Oregon, and Washington State are at are at full are at integers. Uh, is it really really bad to to take like a push? <laughs> I don't know if you can. Uh, I don't know if you can bet the push. You might be able to bet. You, you might be able to bet the exact number. Can you? Can you just uh, sit one out? Uh, No, I I think if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, uh, six wins in a seven-game schedule is pretty tight. I'll take the under. Coach? I'm going to take the over. Ooh. Coach likes them to run the table. Meaning they're going to win. Yeah. They're going to either run the table or they're going to push. Definitely not hitting the under. All right. All right, all right, all right. Um. I, I, I like the under just because they got to break in a new quarterback this season. Uh, you know, I feel like Justin Herbert was there since uh, the first term of the Clinton administration. So uh, they're in-state rivals. Oregon State, one and a half, Josh. Oh, those boys from Corvallis. What what will we do with them? One and a half. 
You look at their schedule, and it's not a very pretty one. <laughs> the road trips to Seattle, <laughs> road trips to Seattle and Stanford. You don't like that. Um, there's not a lot to like about this team. It's one and a half, you said? Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the under here also. I think they go over or one win. Coach. Coach? I'm going to take the under as well. And if there's any team that can uh, hit the post on this and somehow manage to get half a win, it would be Oregon State. <laughs> that would be quite impressive. Um, next up, we have Stanford. Did you get your pick? On Oregon State? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I've got them going over. So uh, Stanford, uh, three and a half wins, Josh. Yeah, I like the coaching staff. I expect a bounce back. They get Oregon State at home. They get Washington State at home. They get Colorado at home. You said it's three and a half? Yep. That means I just need them to win one more game yep. along the way. I will take the over. Coach. Say that again. Josh has got the over on Stanford three and a half. What have you got? Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the over. That's, that's a pretty low number. Yeah, I like I like that too. I like that too. Surprisingly, same number for UCLA. Fight, 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 Josh. Well, I probably got into a little bit of trouble with my Jimbo Fisher hot take a week ago, but I will stand by it when we talk about that game later. I have the same feeling about Chip Kelly. I expect the Bruins to be checked out and him checked out as well. I'm going to go under. Coach, over under three and a half for the Bruins. Are we talking about wins or mutinies? <laughs> let's be clear on what we're betting on here no uh, i'm definitely taking the under here uh, i'm not a big fan of ucla until they make a change yeah i, I still don't believe in dorian thompson robinson there uh no. even though i, I, I have don't believe a, in chip kelly I, I even though i have a paper on the wall that says uh you know that, that that i spent some time in westwood still taking the under there crosstown rivals the trojans at five and a half wins josh yeah, I really like that number, actually, because I think Slovis is pretty good. Uh, as much as we kind of rag on Clay Helton, they seem to be more often than not fairly good under him. And the schedule unfolds pretty nicely. The, those two Arizona teams we don't think too much of up at the top. They also host Colorado and Washington State. Then they travel cross town to UCLA. Their really only tough game is at Utah, and then the TBD game that we don't really know anything about. I'm actually going to take the over. Ooh. You you like them over five and a half, Coach? How do you feel about that one? I'm going to take them with the under because they can still win five. I, I think they'll lose two. I think they'll lose a pair of games. Um, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a weird deal. Like, usually Oregon's the one that loses a couple of games, but I think Oregon has – a really good shot at it uh, because no one's really expecting them. And I think that USC, I think I'm going to take the under here because um, I think they'll, I think they'll hit two. Coach, two I don't know if you can say they'll no one's really expecting them. I don't, Coach, I don't know if you can really say no one's expecting Oregon because, I mean, they have well, the highest o- new. quarterback. I mean, they, 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 they've got the highest preseason ranking and the highest over-under number in the conference. Right. So I can't, we can't say no one's expecting them. Maybe no one's expecting that, them to win a national title. But, you know, um, I, I, I like that, the under for USC true. because every time USC is highly ranked in the preseason, they choke. 
in, in the words of Tony Kohnheiser, they're choking dogs. <laughs> so uh, I'm taking the under here. Utah. Is 25th in the country really highly rated in the polls? Well, is, I don't know if it's like, I, I think like back in like the preseason preseason before all the COVID stuff, they were higher than 25th. Okay. So uh, let's head over to our friends there uh, at Utah. Uh, they have four and a half, and they have to break in a new quarterback and a new tailback. Yeah, the the skill position is pretty tough. I, you know, four and three feels about right. I think the USC game will be tough. I think the trip to Arizona State, I know we like to make fun of them, but uh, they play to win their games. Um I think with breaking in so many skill position players, the Arizona game might turn out to be challenging. We don't know what that to be determined matchup is. I feel more comfortable saying that they finish four and three and just barely go under. Coach. How you feeling about that one, Coach? Yeah, it's 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 tough to gauge. Oh. It's tough to gauge uh because you know, when you're replacing skill guys, you're not really sure. But then again, I don't know a ton about Utah's roster, I'll be honest. Um, I feel like they get most of their guys up front back, which is a, a good advantage. And Kyle Whittingham is, you know, is a great coach. And I, I, I respect the job that he does. So I, I feel like I should take over. But with, with so many other variables in a season where training camp is weird and they don't – like a team like that, would ha- I feel like would have uh, a lot to lose there because they're so regimented and s- so based on routine uh, that, you know, it disrupts you. And, and I think they'll drop a game that they shouldn't, and that will give them their third loss. So I'm, I'm going to take the under here uh, just just for the sheer fact that it's weird and something, something weird is going to happen. Uh, well, I, I'm going to fade what you guys said. Uh, I will mm-hmm. always take Utah Utah's chances. I think Kyle Whittingham, year in and year out, is uh, probably the most underrated coach in the country for what he does. So I think that given all of the craziness going on, I think that his the discipline that he instills in his teams will lead them uh, to the promised land. I like Utah over five and a half here. Uh, last two schools uh, up in the great state of Washington. Uh, we start with the Huskies, Josh. They are over-unders at four and a half. Yeah, so in, in all the confusion of you know not having our regular off-season of preparing our shows and researching these teams and being as prepared as we have been in the past, um, I had to Google who their football coach was because I knew Chris Peterson left. And I Googled Washington football coach forgetting that the professional football team just goes by Washington now. So I see Ron Rivera, and I'm like, Josh, you're an idiot. So then I type the <laughs> Washington Huskies football coach, and it's Jimmy Lake, and all the pictures. It's Jimmy Lake. All the pictures on Google I only know Carnell of, Lake. Are, are still of Chris Peterson, all the pictures. When you Google Washington football coach, it says Jimmy Lake, and then all the pictures are of Chris Peterson. Uh, long story short, what's the number again, Matt? Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, that's, I don't know. A lot of new faces, a new coach. Their road games are at Oregon, at that improved Cal team. That's a tough road slate. Washington State's kind of a mystery. I think they also are probably about a four and three team at best. So I'll take the under. 
Mr. Burton. Mr. Perkins. Um, I'm raising my hand now. Uh, I'll take the under uh, because they have a lot of change. They, they definitely have change at the top. They lose some guy named Jacob Eason. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, uh, they're they longing for the days of Jacob Eason and Miles Gaskin and uh, Pettis and you know, that whole group. So um, I'm, take, I'm taking the under here. They're, they're going to struggle um, in, in year one of the coaching transition. Yeah, they've got a lot of new guys there to, to break in. I like the under there as well. Finally, we'll head across the state over to Spokane, where Washington State over under is two exactly, Josh. Yeah, pretty low number. Um, they're breaking in a new coach as well, Nick Rolovich, who uh, did pretty good at Hawaii, all things considered. Uh, his very first season with Hawaii, they actually went 7-7. Seven and seven. So he knows how to get things going right away. I thought you were going to say he knows how to get drunk right away with a 7-7. Seven and seven. <laughs> uh, You look at their schedule, though, and that's that's the concerning thing. They should be pretty big underdogs in all of their games, with the exception of at Oregon State, where they'll be a slight underdog. So you're asking me to pick a new coach at a new school with a roster that was recruited for a very specific offense that I know he runs bits of, but it's not 100% the exact same as Mike Leach's. You're asking me for them to win three games, and I'm struggling to see that with their schedule. I'm going to say the under. Coach Burton. You know what, Josh? I'm going to be brave. I'm going to take the over. I think Rolovich is good for three wins. Yeah, I, I'm actually with the coach on this one too, Josh. Uh, I, I think he's good for three wins as well. And so Josh, you're sitting pretty. Yeah, you're you're, you're probably just fine. So for over unders and all sorts of spreads and totals, team player and coaching props, make sure to head on over to Bet Online. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else on the internet. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. For, yep for uh, for Josh for Josh and coach's blackjack habit. So uh, head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, guys. Uh, um, anyways, uh, guys, uh, week six was definitely an interesting one. Uh, where let's go over some of the action, and obviously we're going to start in the SEC. Actually, uh, before we get to the SEC, can we? Ooh. Can I throw a little audible out there? Uh, yeah, we 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 can uh, call a little Omaha at the line. Omaha, Omaha. Um, I want to take something that was a really great uh, text conversation that we all three of us were having. All right, yeah, and turn it into um, a show topic. Uh, a show topic. Uh, two things actually that I wanted to talk about. The first, get into the professional game. The Minnesota Vikings, a curious decision oh yeah let's talk about uh, this a fourth and one is what it was listed yeah it was fourth as, and one and a half give or take and um they went for it and it was the they were at 94 percent odds of winning the game if they convert it it goes up six percent they are stopped it goes 15 percent under and if they make the field goal it's a zero percent change but kicking the field goal is a chippy and it would have put them up eight. And the worst case scenario 
is a tie in regulation. And I get it. I get the conception. You get the first down, the game's essentially over. But I don't know how they do these stats or these numbers, these systems, because I feel like the worst case outcome needs to be factored in. And the worst case outcome being up eight with two minutes left is hands down the best option. So, uh, coach, you are a coach. What would you have done in Mike Zimmer's shoes? Kick the field goal and go up eight. So then why are... Why are so many coaches beholden to the advanced metric number? I, don't, I mean, I, I'm I'm not real sure. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think he he's one of those that's going to have confidence in his in his back, and he feels like he could get a half yard, and that just wasn't the case. And, two and things. Two things I want to. Two things I want to point out about that play. First, they Delvin Cook was out injured. So you're out your best running back there already. Yes, the guy that gave the ball to had, you know, he'd been doing all right for himself throughout the game, but it's still, you still don't have Dalvin Cook B. If you look at where they'd been running successfully during the game, they've been running much more successfully behind the left side of the line. And they ran, they ran basically, they ran zone right on that. And I I don't understand, you know, if you're going to go for it there and you're going to put it in the hands of the running back, at least. You know, I would stay with the guys who, you know, you know, dance with the one that brought you, you know, and you, you got to you got to stay behind that. The left side of the offensive line, which has been road grading dudes all night. Yeah, yeah I mean, I the, just, only, the only thing I can think of, Josh, to further answer your question, is that Zimmer wanted to make sure that Russell Wilson did not have a chance to touch the ball. And. I, I can appreciate that aggressiveness and I can appreciate the respect that he had for Russell Wilson, but you have to get the points there and say, okay, Russ, go get a touchdown and a two point conversion. Let's take this thing into overtime. That's, that's what I would have, I would have said, all right, defense, I have confidence in you. We're going to kick the field goal and they're not going to get it. They're not going to get eight points. So have at it. And then the other one, um, this is even more a field because it's a little bit of the association. Um, somewhat controversial topic. The number of titles the Lakers have. Uh, 12 coming in Los Angeles, 5 in Minneapolis. Um, and some people are split. And I just, I don't know, I have a hard time feeling that you can really claim those titles. And the Comparison I used is, let's say, the Boston Celtic franchise gets sold to an Iowa billionaire who moves it to Des Moines, and they become the Des Moines Cornholers, and they win the 2021 NBA title to get 18 officially. Is anyone ever saying that Des Moines is the best franchise in all of the NBA? No. It it baffles the brain. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, Matt, I know where you stand coach. I know where you stand. Cause this is a text conversation, but I just didn't know if you wanted to re-articulate your points. Yeah. For I'll, our audience. I'll, I'll re Oh yeah. Coach, you go ahead. Cause you, you disagree with me and Josh. Yeah. So I think my, my thing is, is if you move and you don't change your name, I feel like your titles are more accepted to be 
count them. If you change your name, I feel like when you rebrand, you leave those other titles in the past. So in your example, Josh, the Celtics won 17 and the Cornholers won one. So what if they what if they what if they were the Des Moines Celtics? I I just I feel like it's the same concept as the Lakers. The the name makes absolutely no sense, but you didn't change the name, so you're still branded as the Celtics, which means I feel like you had 18 titles instead of just one. It's like the it's like the the Ravens. Do you consider their Browns history? Well, no, because they, no, because, because, because they literally what? gave it back to them. <laughs> they literally is like, eh, we don't want to be a part of this. We'll give it back to you, expansion but franchise. Before that, but it was only for one year. It was only for one year. So, um, I, I, you know, like, I, I guess you, you guys know, like, I'm a Los Angeles Clippers fan. Like, I don't really consider the Boston mm-hmm. Braves, like, w- which are technically the same franchise. I don't consider that part of the same. Um, I don't consider that part of the same thing. Like, I don't think the Sacramento Kings consider the their titles from their time as what is it, the Rochester Royals or Cincinnati Royals when they were that. And again, it goes with the name change. But even the Atlanta Hawks coach, your Atlanta Hawks, they won titles as the St. Louis Hawks back with Bob Pettit. But well, we, re- we retired Bob Pettit's number. As a, it, I as think a retiring Hawks a number is a little bit different than celebrating a title, though. But you know, maybe I'm maybe Still, I'm wrong. No, not really, because. Uh, Pistol Pete played for the New Orleans Jazz, didn't he? Yeah, he did, number yeah. 44. And is his number retired in Utah? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, and I don't care to find out because I would never go to Utah to watch, Utah to watch basketball unless uh, <laughs> Keith Van Horn is playing. So, well, and, uh, and, and Rick Majerus is the coach, RIP. Well, I mean, that gets then, I mean, you're talking about the, the, the numbers being retired. Like, George Mikan's number is not retired by the L.A. Lakers. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who won five titles for the the Lakers when they were in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Number ninety nine. It, it, it's it's a complicated deal. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't consider the Winnipeg the Winnipeg Jets uh, accomplishing anything as the as the Atlanta Thrashers. But they changed well, their they, name. Because they didn't accomplish anything as the Atlanta Thrashers. They accomplished a lot that. of disappointment. And they, they accomplished overpaying Ilya Kovalchuk. And Danny <laughs> Heatley, yes. Yeah, there you go. There um, you go. But do you do you consider the Brooklyn Dodgers World Series? Do they do they get well as they get credit for it, obviously, but is it a appropriate thing to celebrate? Nope, not as if you're the, the LA, LA debt. Nope, neither is the, the New York New York baseball giants titles neither is the neither are the uh, atlanta braves uh considering anything won by the milwaukee braves the boston braves or the boston bean eaters uh here's a fun story about pistol pete since you're asking about his number being retired yeah it is retired by three teams oh number 44 retired by coaches atlanta hawks yep yeah number seven retired by the utah jazz Yep, and then who can forget his stint with number seven retired by the New Orleans Pelicans? <laughs> <laughs> he spent so much time as a Pelican. Yeah. Oh, good oh. lord! Well, Josh, thank you for calling an audible right there. Yeah, no, I just uh, it was a great conversation. I thought our listeners might like to get 
our feelings on a few other sports topics. So let's Definitely. open it up, listeners. Who's right? What's your opinion? Do you, do you fall in line with me? Do you fall in line with Professor Josh? Are are you are you now pounding the table to bring the cornholers to Des Moines? <laughs> I'm here I, for it. I mean, the simple answer is going to be if you're a Lakers fan, you're going to inflate your titles. If you're a L.A. Dodger fan, you're going to inflate your titles. If you are a old Brooklyn Dodger fan, you're going to ignore any of the history since they moved. If you're so a I, Minneapolis yeah. Lakers fan, you don't actually exist. Yeah. So still no lakes in Los Angeles still shouldn't be called the L.A. Lakers. Um, anyway, uh, you know, they, they should rebrand themselves to. I don't know something else, but at this point, I, 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 obviously at this point they can't. But um, the LA smog. Uh, I was I was gonna go with the Hollywood Knights, mm. with a K. Knights. Mm. So, all right, guys. Well, we we had an interesting weekend here in Week Six. Let's start in the SEC. We will get to that game we talked about a minute ago with the Texas A&M in Florida. But, Coach, we, we got you here. You're down in your home state of Georgia. And Georgia Georgia, Georgia was two different teams this weekend, Coach, um, in the first half and the second half. In the first half against Tennessee, it was not pretty. In the second half, the defense showed up for the game. Tennessee rushed for a total of negative one yards. Uh, which I think was definitely the stat of the day as far as I was concerned. Coach, what were your impressions here of your dogs? The penalties are going to make me pull my hair out, first of all. We commit way too many penalties. I think I think we had a full game total in the first quarter of penalties. I mean, it was ridiculous. So that needs to stop. And the stupid stuff like George Pickens squirting water on Guarantano when he gets knocked off the sideline. I bet he's. I bet he has a bunch of uh, five a.m. wake up calls with uh, Coach Sinclair. But uh, you know, first half, I think you know, offensively, couldn't really get much of a push in the run game, uh, lacking explosive plays from the running backs. Uh, I think Stetson was fine. Stetson was pretty good. Uh, the defense just. I mean, honestly, the defense didn't do anything overly spectacular but they were extremely stingy against the run. And that's kind of what kept us in it. Uh, as far as when I say kept us in it, not like we were behind the whole time, but it, uh, you know, it, it kept things close because Tennessee definitely could have broke that game wide open with the, you know, they were playing pretty well, especially early in the second quarter where they hit those two bombs to Josh Palmer. You know, they Tennessee with some depth, if they continue to recruit, they're going to be dangerous first of all. Uh, but then, you know, in true Jim Cheney fashion, he didn't make any halftime adjustments. It didn't look like he had any answer. The pass rush started heating up. They started putting pressure on Guarantano and, and like clockwork, uh, Ozilari gets a sack fumble. Georgia gets points. And then uh, we fold Guarantano in half, throws a pick to Eric Stokes, the second of the year. And then Monty Rice uh, strip, sack, fumble, recovery, touchdown, uh, and then the game's blown wide open at that point. Um, it looks like Kenny McIntosh is going to be actually the best running back on the roster. He's number one in, in uh, kick return average, or no, number three in kick return average. 
Jake Camarda is number number one in punt average. Um, so, got a great special teams uh, hashtag third phase, and so it's uh, it's great, man. Uh, I'm I'm just so happy that this team finally decided that, uh, not decided that they were going to wake up, but I'm glad they made some adjustments and and, and figure some things out because that game, uh, I don't think I could have stood getting uh, the ridicule that I was due. Uh, if Georgia were, were to have lost that game. Well, classic. Um, Coach, you didn't realize it, but you just did probably your best Lou Holtz impersonation ever. Because what Lou Holtz was famous for was hyping up was, the other team. Was hyping up the other team. Uh, you know, you were like, well, the defense kind of kept them in it uh, and they were kind of stingy. They had five sacks and six tackles for loss. And you mentioned the multiple strip sacks. Um, you know, the, also that was in the second half. I was talking about the I first know, half. but but you mentioned that Tennessee had two bombs. Okay, they fine. They, they had two p- pass plays that went well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had 21 points. How did Tennessee get their first score? Uh, a little bit of a, right. a fluky play, would you say? Yeah. It was a snap that even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar couldn't handle. Uh, <laughs> so, so, it, the so the so the defense gave up 14 points total. Then <laughs> I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. solid outing. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think you, I think you were making this sound like a, uh, you were making it sound like a 21-23 nail biter until two seconds left in the game when Georgia scored two garbage touchdowns. No, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was it was that way until uh, they went into halftime because Georgia was absolutely atrocious on fourth and inches. Um, and then Kirby said something. I would love to know what he said at halftime because they came out a totally different team and just freaking dominated around the table um, after that, starting with the first series out of halftime. The route yeah, that- was on. Yeah, <laughs> They, uh, I, I, yeah, maybe he made he forced them to listen to Rocky Top on repeat for for fifteen minutes, and they just got so mad they had to take it out on somebody. Um, coach, your blood rivals, the Florida Gators, uh, went into Kyle Field as uh, as big favorite, uh, as big favorites against the uh, the Aggies of Texas A and M, who had looked inept in their first two weeks, barely beating Vanderbilt, who is god awful, and being utterly destroyed by Alabama. And all, all, all Texas A&M did is uh, beat the Gators 41-38. to Kellen Mond finally looked like the Kellen Mond I expected him to. 338 yards and three touchdowns for him. Uh, Josh, this was not quite, a, not quite the barn burner that Alabama Ole Miss was, but it was one of the most exciting games of the day. It was. It was back and forth. It was a great played game. Uh, not going to say it was a great coached game. Uh a lot of mistakes by Dan Mullen's team. They did not look very well prepared at all on defense. Um, they said in college game day that this was not going to be a vintage defense for Florida this year. There's a difference between not being vintage and giving up 543 yards of offense. Uh, they were totally unbalanced. They could not get a running game going at all. 90 They've rushing yards on tour. They've been that way all year. Well, Two games isn't all year. It's a <laughs> well, every but game it's, they've it, played. They have their running yeah. game has been non-existent. But it, it's becoming alarming to say the least. Yeah. Um, but like 
you know, hats off to Texas A&M for winning. I don't think this changes anything that I said a week ago about Jimbo Fisher. Um, we are having a undisputed global climate change. It, the consensus of scientists around the world say it's happening. Just because it snows one day in winter here in Chicago, I'm not going to say stop the presses, climate change is over. Texas A&M winning this game doesn't change any feeling I have about this team at all. And I think their end of half has to exemplify this on how A&M kind of fell ass backwards into some stuff. And so here was their their final drive of the first half. It ended, it was a 14-play, 73-yard drive, and ended a field goal. Sounds great. The time management at the end of the drive was absolutely inept. You're they, being nice about it. It was <laughs> awful. First, first and 10 at the Florida 30 with 58 seconds left. Incomplete pass. After the incomplete pass, they couldn't get their act together and they took a timeout. Mm. Oops. That was their... And then uh, their second t- and 10 play, a completed pass for 11 yards. They still had one more timeout left, except they let the clock run. And then with 40 seconds left, an incomplete pass. Then on second and 10, another complete pass, this time to the four-yard line. There's 25 seconds left. They still have a timeout. They didn't use it. They then, uh, like, did the... Uh, then. Uh, then excuse me then another completed pass and then finally they use it it's like they had a timeout still the entire time they wasted from 58 seconds to 15 seconds almost the entire time they barely got any plays off it was inept it was lucky that they got 41 or or, uh, got a field goal out of that they should have had a touchdown but it was just the lack of attention to details. Like, I'm sorry, Jimbo Fisher is, I know I'm going to be right by the end of his career at Texas A&M. I just know. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. Uh, Coach, you know, did you see anything that, you know, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're never rooting for the Gators to win, but mm-hmm. it what do you think there are any positives that Florida can take out of this one? Uh, the Kyle's, went off again they no no one has guarded kyle pitts yet um defensively they had a horrible day and i honestly i mean i've been saying this ever since pod grantham was at georgia and it and it's starting to not become such a homer statement is the fact that his defenses are too complex and half the time they don't know where to line up or what their responsibilities are. And they're often out of place because they just can't remember all of that. You know, college kids, their brains reach a certain capacity when you only have them for 20 hours a week. And he tries, and he tries to jam an NFL schedule into a college time, time window. And it just doesn't work. And with that, you have to be extremely talented and you have to have a few guys that can get you lined up. But the reason Florida hasn't won since he's been their defensive coordinator, the way they should have been winning with the talent that they have, because they can't digest all the information on defense. They can't get lined up. They're out of position. They bust coverages. 
they don't they don't fit the run really well. And then when they do blitz, you know, occasionally with blitzes, you know, the, the percentages are every once in a while you're gonna, you know, you're, you're gonna hit the play in the mouth and, and they're gonna get big losses and you know people hang their hat on that. But oh, look at this Tiger Anthem defense because they hit a blitz every once in a while. But oftentimes, third and Grantham is a real thing, guys. It is a real thing. Like, they can't get off the field on third down. It's been that way since he became a defensive coordinator. It was that way at Louisville. It was that way at Florida. It was that way wherever he's been. It's the state. Um, third and Grantham. It's a thing. And they showed it. So, uh, the positives, I-, I would say Kyle Trask had a uh, – he had a big day. wasn't his fault. Uh, Kyle Pitts wasn't his fault. Kadarius Tony wasn't his fault. Um, but that's about all I could say, honestly. Um, was their passing game was on fire, and that's no surprise. Their run game is non-existent, and their defense was often out of position. So, if you really want to know, this was more of Florida losing the game than Texas A&M beating them. I feel like Florida just kind of gave it to them. And I, 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 I caution, I caution you to buy, buy into or drink the Kool-Aid on Texas A&M. I just don't think it'll last. Um, and I don't think Florida struggles will last as well. They'll figure it out. They're a good team. Um, but, uh, this good team does have holes and Texas A&M was able to exploit some of those holes. Well, elsewhere in the conference, we saw a couple barn burners. Mizzou beat the now hapless LSU Tigers 45-41 to in a game that was rescheduled from Baton Rouge over to Columbia kind of last minute. Alabama and Ole Miss uh, hit the over by about halfway through the second quarter, I think, in their game, Josh. Um, that was still a uh, – that was a fun one, especially if your name was Najee Harris because uh, he ran – over, around, and through anyone who was wearing a Rebel jersey en route to a 63-48 to 48, uh, uh, 68, 63 to 48 final. My favorite stat on this game, uh, Ole Miss prevented 41 yards of total offense. Do you <laughs> what that means? Um, if you go and look at the, uh, the box score for, for, the, for this one, um, there were... Uh, there was a there were a, there was a fumble at the one yard line f- by Alabama uh, at, at the at the one yard. Line. There was a punt at the Mississippi forty yard line. Other than that, they scored a touchdown on every other possession, which means that they got all except for forty one total yards of possible offense that they could have. Uh, Josh. Uh, is the SEC turning into the Big 12 as a defense optional conference? (laughs) Um, I'm going to say no, because with the lack of offseason and the sample size still being so small that the defenses have been struggling really across the board. Um. You know, Georgia's defense just played a great game against Tennessee. The score was inflated by that goofy touchdown. Uh, South Carolina just played a pretty dang good defensive game against Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm pretty sure down in Mississippi State, they are not expecting two points in an SEC game. And I think that this one was a case of 
uh, Nick Saban forgetting to dot his I's and cross his T's. And I mean, we've all been there. You can be the best at your profession and just have a day where something doesn't go right. And if it's true that Ole Miss knew all their signals on defense, that was just a oversight. That was a, well, you know, Kiffin hasn't been here for a few years. He probably figures we've mixed our signals up. Yeah, we'll just roll out what we've always done. And if that's the case, I mean, that's just silly by Nick Saban. That's a mistake he'll never make again. And probably the next time Ole Miss and Alabama play each other, Ole Miss will have about two points and about 45 yards. Uh, I think it was just more fluke than than anything else. Coach, what are your thoughts on these offensive outbursts? Uh, I think, well, in that particular game, we knew coming into the season that Alabama was breaking in a lot of new guys. Uh, granted, they get Dylan Moses back. But uh, to the thought of them stealing the signals, part of what Lane Kiffin's offense is predicated on is tempo and going fast. And if you're going to go fast, you don't really have time to steal signals. Most of the time, they already have their play play in before Alabama's defense, even or the opposing defense, whether it be Alabama or whoever, gets a chance to to adjust. So I don't know that they were stealing signals, but he was definitely familiar at what he wanted to do. Um, definitely had a, had a way of, uh, you know, he, he knew what Saban would answer each play call with. And so uh, that kind of helps in your preparation. So they were able to quickly fire off, and then it went exactly as they planned. And that was, that was probably a fluke. That will probably never happen again. Um, the fact that he he knew every, it, it just seemed like he knew everything that was happening, and I, I don't know, it, it it was weird. But honestly, I, I just don't think so. Uh, I mean, most of the points that Josh made were were spot on. You know, offense is always ahead of defense uh, in, in situations like this where the defense can't really do anything physical, and offense can go on air. So obviously, you're going to be more crisp with your timing, especially in a pass heavy offense. And so. There you go. The timing. You. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. It, it is right. Uh, Kentucky um, beat Mississippi State 24 to 2 after that week one performance. Too many malcontents. Uh, after <laughs> that first week performance, uh, the uh, the swashbuckling pirate has, uh, has not shown up. I um, told you there's too many malcontents. KJ some Costello. Of them, some with, of them are going to have to leave the program. KJ Costello with four picks, not necessarily a great look there. In Kyle, his defense, his backup also threw two interceptions. <laughs> great, great, just what we need, just just, just what they needed. Six. They had a six pack of uh, interceptions. Yep, and they rushed the ball fourteen times for twenty yards as a team. Oh, that's a normal. Uh, that's a normal night. For him. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. Yeah. So. Yeah, the magic is gone. Uh, they have a bunch of non-believers in that team. Tylen Hill is way more valuable than people are giving him credit for. Um, and I just—I mean, to, to be fair, they got the ball in his hands. I mean, he had 15 catches. True. True. I, I, Kentucky's. I don't know. They just had. I feel like they had a good game plan against them. I guess. Kentucky's just a weird team. Kentucky's just a weird weird. team is really what it boils down to. Let's quickly go over to the ACC. Actually, Uh, I I just wanted to say a legitimate burying the lead. Um, Arkansas. 
it, it just feels like when teams are in rebuilding mode, they can't <clears throat> buy a break. Uh, that Bo Nix play was oh. absolutely absurd. I don't know why the rule is you're allowed to recover a fumble and then do it intentional grounding. I feel like once you fumbled it, you fumbled it and <laughs> tossing it back down to the ground should be a whole new fumble. Um, and even if that wasn't the case, his attempt at grounding the ball also went backwards, which by definition is a backwards pass, thus a fumble. Arkansas totally screwed from that. Um, some other bad luck for Arkansas in that game, which again, rebuilding programs experience uh auburn got on the score with a punt block for a touchdown oops and then to set up the game winning drive for auburn uh the old 37 yard punt (laughs) not not a banner day for the the specialists there at arkansas um but yeah but that was that was some hot garbage. I'm sorry. Auburn should have lost that game. Uh, a legitimate woo pig suey. And Arkansas's looking a little bit better and buying into this new coach than I think really any of us expected. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really are. Sam Pittman is definitely leaving his stamp on the program there. But let's head over to the ACC. Um, the week and started in the ACC uh, early with Georgia Tech just putting the hammer down on Louisville, forty-six to twenty-seven. Uh, Jeff Sims, coach, you know he looks really good in the opener. Regressed a little bit over the next two games, but he came back with a vengeance. I just Louisville just doesn't play defense, do they? They really don't. I was I was kind of surprised by that because that's a you know that's a team that I thought coming into this thing was well coached they had the you know they they were kind of on the rise they were playing a little bit better and then all of a sudden they just the the wheels have completely come off you know it's really efficient too what? What's not that? just was the defense struggling for louisville how about georgia tech recovered three fumbles and on their ensuing <clears throat> possessions turned all three fumbles into 21 points that's not that, good. For that'll help. Approval. That'll yeah. help. Yeah, that, taking, that, that'll help. Taking care of the ball is always a good good plan to have. Yeah, and and, 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 and they were balanced, man. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, 192 yards on the ground, 258 yards through the air for seven total touchdowns. I mean, you know, they, you know, it, and I think that's the thing, especially because, you know, Louisville couldn't key in on one phase or the other. And Malik Cunningham, you know, he, he wasn't terrible, but I, I still feel like he's he looks a little bit lost out there at times, which surprised me because you would think that him and Tutu Atwell, after playing together for a while, have a, at least a little bit of, of chemistry. Yeah, I mean, def- I mean, Georgia Tech's defense had a really good game plan, I thought. And they, they gave him fits, and, and they gave him some stuff that confused him, and it just seemed like he just would never settled in. And... Obviously, turning the ball over three times doesn't help either, um, and that that helps kind of ratchet up that pressure. But it just seems like, you know, the pressure is crushing Louisville, and they just can't handle it. Yeah, well, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just because of DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
So uh, the game of the week, or what was supposed to be the game of the week, was uh, Clemson-Miami. And it was not the game of the week uh, because Clemson came out and um, to put a nice week. Yeah, came out and they uh, uh, and and curb stomped Miami. It is really the only way to put it. Travis Etienne was the best player on the field in this game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but Travis Etienne uh, with two hundred. And 12, uh, sorry, 222 total yards, just for, uh, yards from scrimmage, I should say, just absolutely tearing it up left and right. Miami had no answer for them, and it did not, you know, I, I just felt like Miami was just on their heels the entire game, Josh. Yeah, and I think Miami's really only chance in this game was to move the ball while well, we've seen Clemson in some of their earlier games this year give up some yardage, not necessarily high points. So we were sort of thinking, okay, maybe Derek King can get some stuff going. Uh, you mentioned Antienne and how well he played and how well that Clemson offense as a whole played. Uh, this was by far their best offensive game of the young season. They looked absolutely incredible. Uh, safe to say Clemson's back, except they, they never really went anywhere. Um but yeah, they are they are the class of the conference as we expected by a wide margin, which we didn't necessarily expect. We thought Miami might at least give a sniff this game. And based on Alabama's issues against Ole Miss defensively, I think it's quite clear that Clemson is head and shoulders above Alabama now. Will that be the case once we get to the end of the season? injuries may have kicked in covid's may have hurt one of these teams uh who knows when we get to the playoffs but i feel like if alabama and clemson had their next showdown round tomorrow i would be taking clemson as heavy favorites yeah coach the other thing that i really noticed about this game is that while i i I think derrick king still shows that he belonged because he was literally their only offense they don't like their receiving core outside of tight end Brevin Jordan is as bad as it's been in a long time. Yeah. They couldn't get into rhythm. They couldn't run their routes. They just, everything was going wrong for them. There was drops. They just, just total ineptness all over the, all over the place with them. And, and I, I don't get it. Like you're Miami. How can you not recruit a wide receiver? You know, can't you get a few wide outs? Can't you just go down the street to Miami Northwestern or, you know, uh, Miami Columbus, you know, whatever other Miami schools there are, and, and get you a few big tall studs that can run. You know, can, can you not do that? You have Ed Reed as your lead recruiter, but it baffles me. So, yeah, they, they struggle, man. And and Derek King throws up these, you know, fade balls and not really anybody on their other end to catch them. And, you know, Clemson, it, it didn't help that Clemson's defense, or actually, I'll say Clemson's defense helped. Miami's receivers struggle, and uh, I thought Venables had a great plan against them, and I thought that the defense had their best game by far. And it also it also doesn't help when ETN is putting that pressure on you by scoring again and again and again and again, and constantly building that like sense of urgency that I, I don't seem like they could handle that night. It's almost like it kind of snowballed and it got out of hand and 
they couldn't do anything. Speaking of Venables, coach, do you think that he's ever going to take a head coaching job? Because I feel like he would just have his pick of the litter, but he's still, you know, he, he's been a coordinator for a long time now. At $2.2 million to coordinate, would you take a head job? Uh, I I don't know I don't know I don't, I don't know I mean I because I well I feel like a like he could make five plus as a, as an HC at a big program at this point. Yeah. Tell you what he's. I don't know. Tell you I, don't, I, I don't know that. I think he's comfortable. Uh, I, I'll tell you what he's waiting for, gentlemen. What's that? Look, he's he's a proud son of Selena, Kansas. Got his start <laughs> at Kansas State. He's a he's a proud Kansian. He's played at Kansas State. He's just waiting for a job to open in the Sunflower State. He's licking his chops for for either this Kansas or Kansas State job to open up. And, well, uh, well, well, let less miles since COVID, so yeah. you know they at least need an interim right yeah. now. And he he actually gave an interesting quote when asked one time about his favorite thing from growing up in Salina, Kansas, and he said. Quote, I love that Selena had four tracks. I ran on them every day. Well, I mean, he can, that, that, I mean, I, I think that, that, that tells us everything, gentlemen, <laughs> that we need to know. Uh, elsewhere in the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, North Carolina uh, continued their winning ways with a 56-45 victory over Virginia Tech. That was a fun one. Um, we also saw... Notre Dame uh, beat Pitt. Uh, Notre Dame uh, didn't beat Pitt. Sorry, what am I saying? Uh, <laughs> no, Boston College beat Pitt. Uh, Notre Dame beat Florida State. Florida State is still hapless. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know where I got that one. Uh, Duke beat Syracuse, guys. I. 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 I don't know what's happening with the team. My youth. We can skip past that. North Carolina State over Virginia. NC State looked good. NC State looked good. They. They. They look hmm. competent. NC State is now out to th- quietly three and one start. For yeah. uh, uh, for the Wolf Pack, and C State looking good, and yeah. boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Wanted to talk about the pit game just real quick. Just the you know when Zircovic. you look, yeah, you, you know when you're one of these programs trying to get over the hump, you've got some pieces, but you're still not 100 percent complete team. Just the the razor margin in this sport. So Pitt loses 31 30. In overtime, they missed a 55-yard field goal at the end of the half. Okay, no shame in that. That's that's an absurd amount. And then in the second half, they missed a little bit more manageable 49-yard field goal. Still a long one. Um, and then in overtime, they missed the point after that led led to the uh, the defeat. And it's just you know it's backbreaking because you know Pitt. Their season's totally different. If they win this game, they're four and one, uh, sitting pretty for for at least making a few waves in the uh, the ACC. Their next two games are Miami, Notre Dame. You know they split those games, then they have a really marquee win, and you know <laughs> they could have had a really special season, and now it just feels like another pit blah game and once you start to have enough of those when does the worm turn and uh narduzzi's seat got gets hot as much as um matt and i you and i both love him yeah i don't i i I don't know i mean they 
it they are they are a strange strange team and i'm trying to think of an equivalent for them in a different conference and uh, you know part of me wants to say it's like they're they're kind of like indiana in in some ways they're kind of like, like kentucky a little bit like kentucky yeah i think that, that that's a pretty good comp there but they just you know what comp i like actually hmm I think you guys Rutgers? will like this one <laughs> no, the only comp for rutgers is austin p um <laughs> the austin p was in the playoffs last year so no <laughs> uh you know who uh pitt reminds me of Iowa. so no pitt iowa state no pitt amazing michigan state no pitt amazing <laughs> Many, many, many moons ago. Arizona State. Like national titles in the 70s and 80s, like national Tony titles contenders. Yeah. Amazing program. That just cannot get over the hump now for Amazing decades. Blue? Minnesota. For decades. No. Amazing Blue. Because Minnesota's titles were even older. Minnesota's was like pre-World War II, and yeah, then 38, 40s, and then 39, 60s. Yeah. No, ne- this Nebraska. comp, I... Re- no. Nebraska was good in the 90s. That's more recent than Pitt. I think this is a perfect one. They even have similar colors. UCLA. Ooh. They play in, like, pro-style stadiums, not very close to campus. They just cannot get over the hump. They'll have, like... Uh, a momentary blip where we feel like they are turning around and then it falls apart and then they hire a new coach and then it feels like we're excited for this new head coach and then it falls falls apart. apart. Yeah. Because they can't get out of this vicious cycle of of thinking that they're just going to hire their way into a championship when they don't give anybody time to build any continuity. That, you know, with college-age kids, you have to give coaches a little bit more time because it's not quite that easy if your name is not Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Wisconsin, USC, Oregon, those type deals. I mean, well, I mean, Narduz has been there, what, this is his seventh year, I think. That's why I asked, when does the worm turn? Yeah, I don't know, then, man. I, I don't know, because, I mean, he took over for Chris when when, when, when when Chris came back to the homeland. Did and he? I feel like yeah. there was somebody in between. No. It's been seven years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the power of Chris compels him to do to do better. <laughs> wow. So, coach, coach thought Walt Harris's tenure was... Dave oh, I, I, I was gonna say Dave Wanstad is is more up coach's alley. You know, in many ways, Dave Wanstad is still coach of the Pitt Panthers. I mean, he never left. His his mustache game has been strong ever. You know, at all you times. Know he, you know, he lives in Naples, Matt. Does he really? I mean, yes. he, he he's of the right age. So so next time next time we're down there, if, yeah, if we're gonna have to. Uh, have to go visit coach. I wonder if he lives in the same retirement community as my godmother. He might. He might. Um, well, uh, let's head over then to the Big 12. Uh, we it was, uh, well, quickly, um, the Red River shootout was, it was a shootout. 
I mean, we could definitely say that. It, it was definitely can, a shootout. Can a four-overtime thriller shootout also be unwatchable? Oh, based yes. on Based on the fact that there was six turnovers, there were a combined 21 penalties for over 200 yards. Sam Ellinger threw the ball 53 yards, yet only had 287, 53 times for only 287 yards. <laughs> Spencer Rattler threw the ball 35 times for only 209 yards. Like Spencer Rattler, by the way, he he cannot lose enough for my liking. But that's neither they, here they nor there. They won this game. <laughs> well, you know what? I I still want. The, I I still think he should have lost. He he yeah. he still huh? lost in my mind. I he's no. Just I, I'm not here for it whatsoever. What I am here for, though, is uh, on my college fantasy team. Uh, I have Sam Ellinger as my quarterback and uh, six total touchdowns. Thank you very much. There you go. That'll but uh, coach, this was this was this was one of the strangest games of the weekend. It was. Uh, it, it just like Josh said, it was very unwatchable. And there's so many things that happened. Oklahoma jumped. I was about to say Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma jumped out early, gave up a lead. Just didn't seem like either team really wanted to win it. And then finally, Texas said, "You take it." And then Oklahoma was like, "Okay, I guess I'll take it." So it, it was strange. But you know, to the casual fan, that was a, that was a fun game to watch. But you know, on the same token, that sometimes. You know, sometimes ten to seven defensive slugfest are good to watch. This one was equally as bad to watch. Like for every shootout, not every shootout is going to be an Alabama Ole Miss type game where it just seemed like no neither team could do anything wrong. This one just seemed like it was uh, total ineptitude uh, that led to a whole bunch of points and a bunch of mistakes that led to a whole bunch of points. And it was really just sloppy football. Yeah, it was not. It, it was definitely not the prettiest game to watch. Mm. Um, so elsewhere in the Big 12, Kansas State beats TCU. Uh, Iowa State beats Texas Tech. Nothing really to write home about in either of those games, Josh, unless you want to say something well, about uh, the hang Cyclones. On. Well, first of all, I want to give just a little bit of love to Kansas State. Uh, Skylar Thompson out the rest of the year. They're trying to play a new quarterback against a TCU team that looks pretty good against Texas and K-State won. Um, if we want to be really reckless, Iowa State is letting fans in the stadium. We could go to Ames November 21st for Farmageddon, Kansas State at Iowa State if we wanted to. Just putting it out there. Uh, what's, but, what, what's the date on that one, Josh? Eleven twenty one. Uh, but no, let's let's give Iowa State all due love. I mean, it it's one thing to win the mega upset that happens all the time. Not necessarily for Iowa State over Oklahoma, but just all the time in this sport, we see the mega upset, the emotional upset, and we go, "Oh, this team's turned." And then the next week, they have the absolutely deflating loss. TCU, perfect example of that. They knock off Texas, get their first win of the year, and then utterly deflating a week later. Iowa State avoided that. 
they dominated this Texas Tech team. They held the Red Raiders for 0 for, 0 for 10 on third down conversions. Uh, made Texas Tech totally one-dimensional, holding them to just 58 rushing yards, 212 through the air. Time of possession. Here's a sexy number. Coach, I know you're going to love this one. This is a number Ooh. coaches love. It's Iowa State weather. time of possession, 40 minutes, 51 seconds. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. This was this was a great game for the Cyclones. I really enjoyed watching their dominating performance. And next up at Oklahoma State. Matt, mm. your team. No, Josh, we, we've established this again and again and again. I, I'm out on Oklahoma State as of this season. Okay. Gundy, uh, you know, Gundy completely undercut me. So I I am out <laughs> on I'm out on Oklahoma State. Um, Ooh, as, as far as I'm concerned, you can, you, so you're uppercutting him, right? Yeah, they're they're the um uh they they are no longer Oklahoma State. They are now one American News State, as far as I'm concerned. Um, quickly, quickly though, guys, one game we talked about and previewed a little bit last week was Houston versus Tulane. We talked about it in our spread formations. Uh, Houston finally gets their first game of the season, and it was a doozy. It was a doozy. Uh, they put up 49 points, and Marquez Stevenson showed that he is a uh, a grown ass man, uh, for for better or worse. Um, he is a beast out there, and Houston came out and they put up some serious points. They put up 49 points on Tulane, and Josh, I'm I'm a little bit worried about this Tulane team. Yeah, it was it was a very strange game. So Tulane has a pick six on the first drive of the game. A few drives later, they do a scoop and score to go up, uh, you know, seven nothing, and then go up fourteen seven. And then the Tulane uh, offense gets going. They hit a field goal and then a touchdown drive. It was twenty four to seven at one point, and then just. The wheels fell off. They literally couldn't do anything on offense the rest of the game. So either Houston is that much better and it was just a bad start, or Houston made the adjustments at halftime that Tulane couldn't. Um, I wouldn't say I'm super worried about Tulane just yet, but I am quite curious um, what they can do. I, I really think they need to split these next two games to to have me uh, feeling confident about them for the rest of the year. Their, their next two games, both of them pretty good. SMU and at Central Florida, both of those teams will be big favorites on the green wave. If they can get a split, uh, the back end of their schedule is a little bit more friendly, but it, it was a baffling game. It really was. It really was. Um, but There's we need to get... Yep, they definitely do. Uh, we're already an hour 15 into this one, so we get, need to get into... You can split uh, the show into two. Okay, well, if we want to split the show into two, then we will do that. Um, Breaking we will news, wrap. the Braves have just went up 2-1 to one in the top of the night on an Austin Riley homer. A dinger. A, a dinger from the second-year third mm. baseman. I'd like I to hear that, which, which they needed after Adam Duvall left the game with an injury. Breaking news, a San Diego Padre player is in good condition after getting staffed. <laughs> Jeez. I saw that one. I saw that one. 
All right, folks. Well, uh, we will wrap it up here for part one uh, of of this week's show. And uh, we will uh, see you guys a little bit later for our week seven preview. Part one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.